Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will Mjordan. How is it going tonight, William? It is really good. Happy to join you, mate. I'm, I'm going to be super positive with you tonight. I feel like we we were a bit combative last episode and I want to make up for it. I'm going to be a much nicer co-host with you tonight. Really get around you, support you. That's nice. I'm I'm not going to return that sentiment. But um, officially, week one in the books. A uh, couple of games finished off over uh, Monday and Tuesday here in Australia. Um, we will touch on those. We'll get to all the week two previews as well. We've got a little bit of news we want to touch on. Uh, we've got the Vault Studio picks. We go to On The Punt and the Championship Draft as well. So we have got a massive, massive show ahead of you. And we are going to do this quickly tonight. I can feel it in my loins. Uh, Vault Studio Podcast. We are part of that particular network now. So please make sure you do head over and support all them. We are College Football Down Under. Make sure you hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Also, um, we've had a bit of a poll out and that has been received kindly by the um, supporting crew, which is a, a bit of a disappointing result for, for me personally, but we'll get to that later. Um, the sponsors, Burnley Brewing, and we thank them and JA for maybe sending us something in the mail. That is a lot of information and we thank you again for joining us. That is all the formalities out of the way, William. I need to get some things off my chest before we get into some news. I'm going to do this very, very quickly. And that is, because we record almost straight after the last game on a Sunday, like we the last game finishes and we're probably the first podcast, maybe in the world to release i don't know maybe not but like a lot of the american ones are waiting until sunday morning to record and we're getting at it straight away and recording it i don't necessarily get that much processing time and you don't either but i didn't fully grasp the chaos of week one i don't think i didn't fully appreciate it in the moment and it's probably taken me a little bit of time to do that so that was just something i wanted to air i don't know if you have the same experience as you get a day or two later you're like oh actually i feel different about this game i feel different about this player i feel different about this team after processing it over the next kind of 24 hours? I'm not sure about processing it. Like, I, I think I was in awe of that first week and I absolutely loved it. There's certainly just the sheer volume of stuff that goes on. Like, we're trying to keep across it all, but there are things that slip through that you do capture this, the day after, another day after, like a bloke making 30 tackles. We should probably make fun <laughs> comments about that on the show. He probably deserves a helmet sticker, but I didn't see that. So he didn't get one. And he's got to be feeling fairly unlucky there. But like that sort of stuff you certainly miss. Um, but, you know, processing, I, I don't know, in the moment I was all about it. I loved it. That's because I had nothing else going on. I was just... Yeah. Week one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I rewatched parts of the Miami game. I was pretty positive. And I wish I hadn't done that now. Because, <laughs> like, I was like, my takes on the other day, like, oh, the game plan was okay. Wasn't. The tackling, oh, it wasn't that bad. Alabama were just kind of better. That was wasn't so accurate. <laughs> like, it was, they, it was shit. Um, I just, the offensive line, I was like, oh, they kind of maybe held up. No, nah, they didn't. Um, and it was, it still wasn't uh, that bad. But also, I still don't feel great. I now don't feel great about the fact that Miami came out flat and average again. That is all. We don't need to touch on that. The last one I do want to touch on, though, and that is the targeting call. I bring up this rule probably once a year and I often have a little rules bitching session. This is going to be that for the year. I don't understand it. There was the Ohio State one 
uh, where a Minnesota dude gets knocked the F out. And I don't think that the injury or outcome of the play should determine um, whether someone gets thrown out or not. And I know that is hard to do, but I think that needs to be removed from it. But the Ohio State one, there was a couple in the Miami game. Bubba Bolden gets thrown out for a really gentle... Yes, he had his head down, and if you're going to throw him out, fine. But there was another one where a Miami receiver got jacked up, um, and it was just a head-high contact that led to an interception, and nobody called anything. There was one in the Penn State game that appeared to be a little bit soft, and there was... Um, one in the, uh, or I say one in the old Miss Louisville, I think four players were kicked out of that game. <laughs> so like, I don't, I don't know where this rule sits and, and they've got it all wrong. It appears to me, and I've heard this suggestion over the, over the week, I'm not going to take any credit for this, but like the NBA, they've got flagrant one and flagrant two. Um, it seems like, I mean, the Ohio State one for me had to be one in the, and that would be the most severe one. The Bubba Bolden one in the Miami game was probably the lesser of the two and probably should, uh, there still needs to be a consequence. I don't know what that is, but to me, like there needs to be some uh, continuum, some spectrum um, in this uh, rule because it's just not sitting well with me at the moment. Yeah, look, you're dead set, right? It's a consistency problem that they have with the application of it at the moment. And we're seeing it within games that they're not getting it consistently called, let alone across conferences and, uh, and across the country any given week. And then these teams need to kind of shape up against different conferences the following week and they're not playing the same rule. So something needs to be done. And I think what you suggested there is a good way of trying to even the playing field to give them more options available to them. Because at the moment, it is a very harsh ejection and potentially missing the first half of the next week if it happens in the second half of the game. Or nothing. And, and, and yeah. they're good to go. And, and, and that's it. There, there's no middle ground there. So it, it feels like there are certainly occasions where you're like, mm, yeah, that wasn't great. We don't want to see that in the game. But at the same time, there's not much he could have done. So yeah. let's flag him for 15 yards, say, look, you, you shouldn't, we don't want to see that. But don't punish the kid for something they couldn't, couldn't have got out of the situation of. So I think you're right. It certainly needs to be reviewed and it's, it's getting more and more attention because a lot of people like us are, are just confused. Yeah, yeah. And, and the players must be confused and the coaches must be confused. And, and like you said, it's, it's very binary. It's either in or out, black and white, and not every hit is black and white. And so it's really, really hard to apply that particular set of criteria, something that isn't black and white. All right, that is anything Anything you want to get off your chest? Just a little bit of sharing time. Uh, no, look, I do not uh, have anything. I'm, I'm, like, I'm just on tenterhooks. No, it's just like sit on, sit on the, psych- the psychiatrist, psychologist, I don't know. Sit on the couch, lay down, sit on the leather. And just and, let and it happen. Let it all out. No, look, at the moment, I'm just kind of anxious for you, my friend. You, you're about to go through a very uh, exciting uh, experience uh, as a man. Um, childbirth is a beautiful thing, but it's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. So uh, I'm, I'm pumped for you. Like All, all of my energy and, and uh, excitement is, is being directed towards you at the moment. Right? Okay, so get, get me, like, if this baby comes tonight, tomorrow night, that'd be great because I feel like then I'll have two or three days and I can be into the Miami game. Whereas if, it, if it's mm-hmm. a Saturday night thing and then it kind of, it, it's getting a little close, I feel, and I'm a little bit nervous about that. 
Yeah, absolutely. So. You, you want this for to be uh, sooner rather than later. You don't want to drag yeah. on too too. Or you've got to make it through the weekend. Or you've got to make it through the weekend. Or you've got to get the duct tape out and tape the legs together. <laughs> We're doing yeah. that again. All right, let's move on. Let's quickly hit some news. Um, there are a few bits and pieces that we would like to touch on. So the first one of those is, very quickly, Zeb Nolan. We didn't touch on him. Now, this is the former Iowa State middle linebacker come quarterback come middle linebacker. Then a grad assistant who ended up at South Carolina under Shane Beamer in his first game. They had a whole bunch of issues at the quarterback position and he had to, I don't know, retire from being a grad assistant and then he started the game and actually did a pretty good job. This is the first time I've ever heard of something like this. Yeah, promoted from grad assistant coach to starting quarterback. I mean, that is pretty crazy when you think about it. Uh, And then to turn around and win in that start, that's pretty cool. Uh, the second thing, and I'll give you plenty of space and airtime here, is more conference realignment talk. The Big 12 moving and shaking uh, to try and get themselves organized in readiness for the departure of Texas and Oklahoma. But what has been the, f- the next steps taken by either the Alliance and the Big 12 or the Alliance and the Big 12? So, so it's mainly the Big 12 now is doing it. So the, the Alliance has kind of said we're not taking any additional schools, which is an important step because for the remaining eight teams in the Big 12, there's obviously options for them if conferences are taking teams on board. So they're looking around, they're, they're trying to posture. With those doors all shut, the next best and most appealing option for them is to stay pat. They don't want to be dissolved and split out into different group of five uh, conferences, they're better off trying to stick together and and getting the best that they can out of the group of five to build it back up. Now, you're not going to get a replacement for an Oklahoma or a Texas, but you can get something that will be entertaining football. And and, and you do have the pick of the group of five programs now. So on the back of that, they have formed a committee to begin this search process as is always the case. There's a lot of committee forming. Must be government schools running this sort of deal. <laughs> um, and it's, it's difficult now to understand what's fact from fiction because there are a lot of reports coming out that this kind of been decided. The four schools have been like honed in on. They've lodged um, submissions. It, it, it's like a done deal. But none of this, I, I think, is official at the moment. But the four schools that are looking to to take the step up. Uh, BYU uh, out west, which I think is an interesting one. Uh, UCF down in Florida there. Who current in, sorry, who are a current independent as well, BYU. BYU, I think BYU independent. Yeah, absolutely. UCF. Um, so Not an independent part of no, the American. In the American, a very strong program over the last five or so years. A massive student body as well. It's worth noting. They've, they've got the largest student body of all of the FBS programs, I believe. Is that a cultural fit? And there's been a lot of concern here around West Virginia being a cultural fit, mainly for the um, geographical uh, isolation or distance from the rest of the conference. Um, and the, the fact that as soon as realignment talk comes up, West Virginia feels like they're like, oh, just join the ACC. Um, UCF are going to be in a similar boat? Yeah, oh, I, I guess. Like, they're, they're a Florida school. Uh, it, they are certainly hanging out by themselves there. Culturally, I think it's probably okay. Um, it's more that geographical 
piece that I have concern about because now we talk that program there. You've got Houston as another one that they're looking to bring in, which makes a bit more sense in Texas there uh, down the bottom. And the other one is Cincinnati. Uh, obviously, powerful program in the American right now, currently ranked in the top 10, had a really good year last year. But that's Cincinnati, Ohio. So now we've mm. got West Virginia, Ohio, Florida, Florida Utah, Texas, and, Utah. Uh, and, and Texas, Iowa, uh, Oklahoma down the middle there. Like you've kind of got the middle set and now you've gone all over the shop. And mm. this has wide impacts on not just football, but all the other sports, because that's what follows along with this conference realignment. And there's a hell of a lot of travel now for those away games, uh, conference games in that space that really kind of makes this one a bit of a head scratcher. But I, I don't know what other options you've got. You just only focus in on Texas schools and keep it all there. Or like it, it is a bit of a changing world now that travel Geography is, is less of an issue. Yeah. Like travel, that travel can be covered it's still going to be expensive like it's still going to be expensive for the ucfs and west virginias of the world to send their water polo team across to utah to play byu uh, byu um, may be football only as well That's okay the, the other thing there yeah I don't, I don't know how they go with swimming costumes it might be a little revealing <laughs> i don't know all right let's move on there's more to come in this uh conference realignment space so we'll keep you up to date on those let's quickly get to a couple of game recaps and in a game that appeared to be one of the best ones of the weekend let's go to fsu and notre dame so the irish come to tallahassee very fun part of the world uh lots of uh, a lot to talk about, I suppose, in this one as it went to overtime. Jack Cohn for Notre Dame as I take you through the game very quickly and chronologically. Looked good for the Irish, 366 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, jumped out to, I say jumped out, a bit of a start and then pushed that lead out to 38-20 by the start of the fourth quarter. Looked really, really good. Um, some okay defense made Jordan Travis, their FSU quarterback, really, really uncomfortable. And then things changed as Mackenzie Milton came into the game. Uh, Florida State managed to run the ball far, far better than the Irish. Um, and then this game went to overtime. A missed field goal after a, well, a made field goal into a challenge of a fumble, which... And you see this all the time. So what ended up happening was a fumble by Mackenzie Milton, which pushed them deep out of field goal range. There was a field goal. And as the field goal is being taken, a timeout, which often gives the kicker time or the center time to snap the ball and the kicker gets a rep at kicking that distance, which he hit that field goal. Anyway, the challenge um, gets reversed. The ball gets moved forward to make the field goal attempt easier for Florida State. And they miss unfortunately what would be a chip shot um, in the first um, pass passage of overtime Notre Dame then have their shot at it they play for the field goal which wasn't great um, there were some plays in regulation as well that were really really interesting but a really entertaining game Florida State 38 falls short of Notre Dame 41 any concerns about Notre Dame's run defense, the offensive line? Where did you come down on this one? Or was this just a really good performance by a Florida State team that's been much maligned coming into this particular year? 
Oh, look, I'm leaning more positive performance from Florida State. It was really good to see from them. It, 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 they didn't get the win, but they showed real promise. And how fantastic was it to see Mackenzie Milton back out there? And not just out there, the spark that he injected in the game. He, God, was, he looks older. He looks older. I, I mean, he is. He is. <laughs> yeah. all, these are kids, and he's, he's a grown-ass man. But um, for the, those of you who are not aware, Mackenzie Milton was a quarterback at UCF who suffered a horrific leg injury like just one of those ones that they talk about in the sporting sense where it's like a a car accident and unfortunately for him that looked like it was going to end his career it ended his time at UCF uh he he was in hospital for a long time it was similar to Alex Smith uh type of deal where they were talking talking like multiple multiple surgeries and stuff yeah like like it's a mess. Nasty stuff. And um, after this, he's obviously been on the recovery track. He, he landed with Florida State, which was kind of a, uh, a big signing. Uh, but people were unsure as to what you were going to get, whether he was ever going to even be able to play again. So then for him to come in as, as the second string and to inject that life into the game and, and to have them right up and amongst it and unfortunately not getting it done in overtime was absolutely fantastic. So I really like that. Really positive signs for Florida State. Uh, Notre Dame, I give a bit of a pass because from from the pieces of this game that I watched, I thought they were quite good. I thought Jack yeah. Cohn played well. Uh, yeah, he looks like all the noise coming in was like, oh, Jack Cohn's going to be the guy to push the ball down the field. And everyone's like, mm, yeah, it's sure thing. And he, he actually did that though. Like... He, a lot of the ball went to Michael Mayer, the tight end, who went nine for 120 and a touch, which was impressive because they do have questions with that receiving group. But even still, you've got to find 240 yards to other people that aren't the tight end in that situation. So he had a really, really good game. So I was impressed with Jack Cohn. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people may have expected more from a top 10 team playing against a Florida State team that has been garbage. But I think you kind of need to throw some of those perceptions out and and give credit where it's due to Florida State. They played a hell of a game and Notre Dame are are a good team. We're able to get it done in a hostile road environment. Given the chop, uh, I really, yeah, I mean, Florida State have come in. Some people are saying like four wins, five wins, like not getting to a bowl game. But I mean, if they play like this the rest of the way, they should be fine. You would expect that they would go bowling at the end of the year. Did you hear the hilarious Brian Kelly comment after the game? The execution? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I liked that. that was it was, it was a bit so for those that missed it, he was talking in the interview and, and he obviously wasn't really, really pleased with his players because... They probably left a lot out on the field and they were up big enough in the last quarter to kind of what should be cruise home. Um, He said, I like execution and a lot of these players should be executed. (laughs) And I was like, that's good gear. gear." But it just kind of, it fell out and it wasn't, like funny he, he didn't kind of deliver it in a jovial way it I, just, I liked it i liked yeah, it I, as much as i didn't like brian kelly and i think he was much of a coach like i actually quite like him i feel like he's got an interesting but he's pretty dry and anyway i liked it so an interesting game high scoring obviously florida state were good notre dame appeared to be in control the whole way except uh, mackenzie milton put on uh, a last quarter rally and and then and then the Irish fought back, a dropped pass by the tight end that would have had them in field goal range to end it. Um, but it went to overtime and a plucky effort by Florida State. But I think Notre Dame are clearly the more talented team here and, and Florida State gave them everything they could handle. But um, I, I don't think Notre Dame are whether that. Well, clearly not. Notre Dame was a, uh, a playoff team last year. And they're just not that this year. 
Um, they're just off the mark a little bit. Um, particularly on the defensive side, they got run all over. Um, and their offensive line appears to have taken a step back this year. So that's something we haven't seen from Notre Dame. So it'll be interesting to see how they hold up moving forward. All right, Old Miss 43, Louisville 24. Lane Kiffin, the head man for the Rebels, tested a positive for COVID and did not coach this game. It made very little difference. Matt Corral um, led his team to a 26-0 halftime lead, and the final score really looked far closer than it was. The big story out of this one is not the fact that Ole Miss put up points. It's the fact that Ole Miss showed some life on defense. They ran mostly like a 3-2-6 defense. Lots of DBs out on the field. Malik Cunningham struggled his way through the 17 passing yards in the first half. Louisville in for a tough season. Scott Satterfield has got his work cut out for him this year. Again, only one week in, but I was impressed that Ole Miss appears to be more than just half a team this year. And if they can continue to um, you know, really make life difficult for offensive passing games, they're, you know, they're going to do a really good job because you know they're going to put up points. Um, and, I mean, Lane Kiffin even said he was on to watching film of the next week before this one was even in the book. So an interesting take by him, but that's the sort of stuff he says. Um, defense appears to be moving in the right direction for the Rebels, so I'm really, really impressed by Ole Miss. I like that 3-2-6 defense. Like, just kind yeah. of... Three big boys up front, walk your two, two linebackers. linebackers down to the line and then just show everything behind that. Have them bailing, have them blitzing, have them coming from everywhere. Right. So without diving too much into the playbook here, but there's, there is some discussion around where's football heading to next and it is a lot of that. So a lot of these hybrid corner safety line linebacker types that can fit in the box and play the run, but also defend, and, and, and you have to acknowledge that they can do a bit of everything. So don't be surprised to see more of these kind of defenses coming out moving forward. I think when we finally make our co-coaching career together, we're definitely going with a three-two-six, mate. That sounds uh, You need some space eaters on the line. They're hard to come by. You also need, like, like I said, to be the six DBs, you need some DBs that are like... Six two six three can run and hit, um, but also play coverage. They're not like a dime a dozen. Don't worry about it, dude. We'll coach them up. We'll coach them up. Okay. Um, yeah, I was impressed by Ole Miss, and yeah, they win and move on. So I think they will continue to be a challenger. Matty Corral getting it done. So well done. All right, let's blitz on through now. We've got some previews to hit. This is the week two preview show. That is why we are here. Again, a lot of FBS and FCS games this week. A lot of those last week were wins and close games in terms of FBS and FCS beating Power 5 teams and groups of 5 teams. So we need to, you know, not shrug them off, but there's going to be losses here again in week two. Offense last week was hard to come by. So before I do get to the previews, I just wanted to acknowledge that offenses are going to get better this year. Uh, or, or sorry, in this week compared to week one. UCLA was a good case study in that. Struggled a little bit in the past game against Hawaii week one. Come out against LSU and Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Didn't look perfect, but he was far better than what he was in week one. So expect to see a big jump on the offensive side of the ball. And secondly, we still don't have a lot of data to work with yet. So we're still at my end. I feel like I'm playing a bit of a guessing game in terms of how these games are going to play out. Having said all that, 1.30am, Oregon travel to the Horseshoe to face Ohio State. Talk us through it, Will. 
Look, this is probably your marquee matchup this week. Uh, this and and the the Iowa matchup there, obviously. But I am I'm really excited for this one. Uh, I think there's a big question mark looming over the top of it with Kayvon Thibodeau's injured ankle. Uh, indications would point that he's not going to get up for it, and I'd be surprised to see that he is. But I haven't day seen day to day is the uh, quote. Day to day, that's the report out at this stage. So it's amazing what they can do when they they jab you uh, when there's an important game on the line like this one is. But he is such an important uh, piece for this team for them to to make a play here and and, and they're going to need something special on defense to be able to look to contain this Ohio State team that looked incredible in their week one matchup that that, those weapons that I talked about in the recap of that game are live and they are as dangerous a team on the offensive side that you will see uh the, the Oregon team certainly have some players on the defense, so it's not just uh, Thibodeau. They do have uh, the linebacker whose name escapes me. Noah Sewell. That's the one, who is a tackling machine um, and can certainly make his presence felt, but I, I just can't see these guys keeping Ohio State under 40 points. Uh, and then that's putting a, a hell of a lot of pressure on an Oregon team to go travel on the road to against a defense that's not great. Good, not great, but that's a lot of points. And you're asking a hell of a lot of uh, Anthony Brown, the Oregon quarterback there, to... Oof. Like, he, he, he doesn't jump off the page as someone who's going to win you a game. Uh, so in that light, it, it, for me, sets up perfectly here for Ohio State to get a, a good resume win. Like, people are going to look to this and go, oh, yeah, that's a great win over Oregon. Where in, like, the fact that it's at home, the fact that they may be without their best player, it, it, I don't think it's going to be as good as uh, it, it potentially looks to be. Yeah, for sure. I think the Ducks should, if they're intelligent, I'm going to put this, this out there, and this is probably not going to be a popular take because you play the game to win, leave Kayvon Thibodeau home. Like, don't play him at 80% or 70%. Rest him up. Try and like win the Pac-12. You're not winning this game. We've seen what happens when Oregon go on the road in out-of-conference games. The last crack was with Herbert um, against Auburn and Bo Nix. And that guy, Bo Nix as a true freshman in his kind of big first game, and that wasn't a great Auburn team, and they got beaten. Yeah, it wasn't like, it's not like Auburn trashed them, but this is a far better Ohio State team than what that Auburn team was. And I would argue this is a far worse Oregon team than what this particular version of the Ducks is. So I don't see a a way in which Oregon win this one. Pac-12 teams have not, fared well on the road in non-conference in out-of-conference games um two touchdown underdogs gives you a bit of a look at what vegas thinks of the ducks i'm not i wouldn't be surprised to see that um particular um point spread blow out a fraction i think that ohio state handled the ducks convincingly if they don't the only only way that oregon can possibly manage to get this done is hope that a defensive secondary which is really questionable and is going up against one of the best if not the best receiving groups in the country has its best game ever ever and like just it's like a one out of 
200 shot that they do that and that's what you need to happen secondly you need a defensive line which is either going to be limited by choice or by injury uh going up against one of the best o-lines in the country that is not a good matchup either i just don't see a way in which oregon is going to be able to stop ohio state you're going to have a packed stadium in the horseshoe uh, I, I don't see it. I don't see it. And uh, to me, it's Ohio State to cover. Yeah, the old Magic 8 ball. Give it a shake. All indications point to Ohio State comfortably. Yeah. All right, 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm more likely to watch this one because I don't have as good a read on this one. Iowa and Iowa State in the Cyhawk Cup championship game. Cyhawk something. Um. This is the big matchup from, uh, we've got a Big 10 and a Big 12 team as well. And the pride of the Big 12 almost this year in Iowa State. Iowa looked really, really good against Indiana, particularly on defense, um, where they held down a once explosive Hoosiers offense to just six points. They scored two touchdowns of their own by Riley, no, Riley Ricks, Riley, Riley, I can't remember his name. Moss? Moss. There we go. Riley Moss. I was thinking like Miley Loss. I don't know. Anyway, Riley Moss um, scored two touchdowns of his own. And Ira on a big win streak in this one, having won the last five. How do you see this one playing out between the two teams that appear to be set on the defensive side of the ball with some question marks on the offense? This is like the perfect game to talk to your earlier point that we still haven't seen a lot of data yet on the season because this is one that for those that really got into week one and loved that thought this isn't going to be a match you had an Iowa team that was awesome uh, in in their ranked matchup that they had where they blew out uh, Indiana and, and looked really good and then you had an Iowa State team who were ranked in the top 10 who did it tough with an FCS Northern Iowa program. So so you kind of look at those two things and you go, well, this one's easy to figure out, isn't it? I was going to spank him, but I would hold your horses on that there. Like it... This feels like it's going to be a bit of a slugfest. Uh, Two teams, big rivalry, in-state, and Iowa State are primed for this this year. Like last year, yes, they surprised a few people and they had a fantastic year. This year, all off-season, they've been building up. They've they've kept that core, that same group. This is everything they're running at. And they would have this one circled on that this is an important stepping stone to make sure that they're making their mark as part of what they're doing this year so for me no one's going to get surprised here both teams are going to be giving it absolutely everything they've got I think some of the shit it was blown away last week in terms of the cobwebs are gone and now we're going to get an incredibly tight matchup that as you said I'm not sure as to how this one's going to be play out I'm really looking forward to watching it here I did watch that Iowa State game uh, big parts of it against Northern Iowa and I didn't think I'd be saying I'm going to watch another Iowa State game after watching that because it was pretty gross uh, but uh, Brees Hall for Iowa State is a dude. Uh, I think he, he continually kind of gets talked down a little bit considering what he achieves and what he puts out there. So I'm backing him in to be the difference in this one uh, and for Iowa State to, to sneak over the line. 
Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think Iowa State are going to have a bit of an offensive explosion in this one. Lean on the offensive line, lean on Brees Hall initially, and then build in that play-action game that we know you can go to. Use the tight ends down the seam, take your shots, and if Brock Purdy's having one of those games, you know when Brock Purdy gets in a mood and he's just feeling it, and I know he can have a mood the other way as well where he's just throwing interceptions <laughs> all over the place, but when he's feeling it, just let him cook. Let him just have at it and let him put up 350, 400 yards because he will do that on his day. So allow him to do that. On the flip side, I don't think that much of Spencer Petrus, 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 at the quarterback position. And this was a Cyclones defense that finished eighth in the country last year against the run. So I know you've got Tyler Goodson there at the running back position and he had an okay day week one, but he is going to be forced to go up against a really, really tough defense. And then you're expecting a quarterback who is average at best to win you the game. I'm taking Iowa State in this one. You're not going to see two performances in a row out of that Matt Campbell team, particularly to start the year. Iowa State have always started the year well. It's more November where they fall in a hole. So I'm going to take Iowa State. The last point on this one worth mentioning, Charlie Kohler, a tight end at Iowa State, did not play that week one matchup. He was uh, suffering through a bit of a lower leg injury, but is seems set and ready to go. So I don't know if they just sat him uh, for that one. But he is a difference maker. He's one of the best tight ends in the country, bar none. So he will certainly have an impact in this one as well. All right, that is the two big matchups. We need to move a little bit more quickly through the rest of the conferences. So let's start in the SEC. They've earned it, and I rarely give them first crack at it. Three really interesting ones in the SEC this week. Texas at Arkansas, another awkwardish sort of game for Sarkeesian and his crew. I think they're more talented. Arkansas are well coached. Do you think Texas do this one easily? I believe they do. I was really worried about Arkansas's first half performance against Rice there. I was kind of sending a lot of messages mm. your way around this. Like, yeah, you're keeping you an eye on this because this is not good for the SEC and it's not good for Arkansas. And, like, to their credit, they pulled it together and managed to kind of kick away in that one. So it looked okay, but I think there were some flaws there. This Texas team looked good. And, and while they're looking good, like they're the sort of program that will fucking buy into their own hype. And, and until they run into a real one, I think that they're probably going to be overconfident. And that overconfidence can help. I, I think against a program like Arkansas, they're going to believe their own shit. They're going to run away with this one. It'll only be when they come up against that decent program that that overconfidence might come back to bite them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a wait and see on this one. I'm certainly not touching it from a gambling perspective. I think I'm a, I'm a wait and see on Arkansas. If they can do some of the stuff they did last year, I think this game will be a little closer than people expect. NC State at Mississippi State. Now, I like NC State in this one. This is They've got a chance here, the Wolfpack, to reclaim some respectability for the ACC. Mississippi State had to come from the clouds last week, but I like the balance of Devin Leary and Zonovan Knight on the offensive side for um, NC State. Uh, and again, wouldn't bet this one. I'd like to see what the Bulldogs are like at home, but to me, this could be one of the most interesting matchups of the week, and you know, NC State, I think, are going to be a tough out. Mississippi State with that high-powered air raid offense should be points in this one. Uh, you're, you're dead set, right? Uh, Mississippi State at home in Starkfield there is going to be the difference for me. I, I, I like that home field advantage. It is a bit of a nasty place to play with those fucking cowbells ringing. And, like, it's... It, 
difficult to watch and listen through. But I, I think this Mississippi State were disappointing last week, but I, I like them in this matchup. I I think that that home ground advantage and what they're going to be able to do through the air uh, against an NC State team who, yes, blew up week one, but was against pretty piss poor competition. Um, f- for me, I- I'm leaning Mississippi State and I actually really like them in this one. It's, it's a pick em game okay. too. It is a pick em game, which sort of leans into the fact that maybe on a neutral site, NC State are potentially favourites in this one. Yeah, absolutely, um, I, think, I think that's the case. And they earned that from what we saw through week one. Yeah, so I am leaning NC State here, so that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Them. So no doubt we'll uh, flick some text back on that one. Uh, Mississippi State, uh, sorry, not Mississippi State, Missouri and Kentucky. Now, your favorite boy, Connor Basilak, has to head to Kentucky in this one against a high-scoring, high-powered Wildcat offense led by Will Levis. Another potentially high-scoring good game here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm really excited for this one, and I have not said that about a Kentucky football game in quite some time. <laughs> Although that's probably not fair because Lynn Bowden was good fun to watch. So I'm jury's out for me on Kentucky. I like oh, yeah. they're one that I need to see more from. I think mm-hmm. Missouri are going to be a good team this year, and and I've said that early, and I will say it often across this year until I get made to look like a fool looking at you, Washington. Uh, <laughs> so I'm confident in Missouri's chances here, although tough road matchup early in the year. For, for them to be serious and, and be showing that they're heading in the right direction as, as a football program, Missouri it is, they would be expecting to win this one and need to win this one. But hey, Kentucky have shown that they are... Uh, a really plucky team in the SEC. They they mm. play teams tough, and, and if they have another string to their bow now where they can run up scores, who knows what's happening there. So there's some really, there's three really good out-of-conference SEC games this week, so I'd suggest you keep an eye on them. Another one that I don't hate the look of is Tennessee that are hosting a Pitt team that did a really, really good job last week. And I've got Pitt here to look to get the upset. Um, they the favourite. Are they favourites? Sorry, my bad. Well, do I take a home dog then? Don't know. Um, But Joe Milton, who comes across from Michigan as the quarterback for the Volunteers of Tennessee, uh, got a really good running game going last week. And they're going to need to do that again against the pit team that is always, always good at not letting you run the ball very well. Um, So what are your thoughts if you've got any grandiose thoughts on Tennessee and Pitt? Oh, this is another fantastic matchup in that I have no idea who's going to win this one. Uh, Pitt three and a half point favourites on the road at Tennessee, uh, which is quite impressive, really. And that speaks to what Pitt have been able to do the last couple of years. But, you know, a, a big time win over a UMass program who's consistently been one of the worst FBS programs in week one does nothing for me. I'm, I'm probably more pleased to see Tennessee win comfortably against Bowling Green, who aren't great by any means, don't get me wrong. But I had more question marks around that Tennessee program. I just think that they've been through a hell of a lot where this Pitt team has been very stable, very steady, and they have an identity. Like They are a good defensive football program who uh, look to work off of that. Tennessee, fuck knows what you're going to get. So this is a really good one to help us get an indication of where these two programs are at. Yeah, I kind of, I, I sort of disagree a little bit there. I mean, Tennessee have been a mess, uh, but I think like with Josh Heupel there as the head man, you know they're going to go up 
tempo. They're going to be an offensive football team. So I think like you've got to lean into that a little bit as what they do. Don't get me wrong. Tennessee have been a poorly run program from administration all the way down now for a number of years. Um, and that generally plays out over time in terms of negative results. Just yeah. look at the Cleveland Browns. Well, I just don't know any of their pieces at Tennessee either because yeah. all of the guys that I did know there are now playing for other teams. Yeah, correct. Correct. But I think, I don't, I don't know. I, to me, this is a really good test of have Tennessee progressed? Have they progressed out of the bloody Butch Jones saga have they progressed into a new time a new space where this money and this big fan base and this administration can actually put together some quality wins uh yeah, all right let's I'm, move. I'm taking the bird in the hand in that one uh oh, interesting pit for me yeah i mean like again it seems like identity versus non-identity you tend to lean into the identity and i don't have an issue with that florida head to south florida the gators win this one i don't think it's a big story but in Gainesville, there is potentially a little bit of quarterback controversy. Now, we use the term controversy as more like a, like, I feel like controversy is a noun and we're using it as like a verb or the reverse of those two things. My English skills is not great. Um, but Emery Jones struggled through the air last week, going for only 117 yards and he had two picks as well. Anthony Richardson came into the game, ran the ball fantastically well, went for 160 yards on just nine carries. Um, maybe a quarterback battle to play out here. He's the local kid, and they might be asking for him if Emory Jones continues to struggle. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, Emory Jones had all this hype all offseason. People are talking yeah, about how he's things can the change. next one. Weeks a long time. Yeah, that's that's fascinating to see you that. Uh, UAB at Georgia, South Carolina at East Carolina, Texas A&M at Colorado. And then Old Miss, Alabama, and LSU all get FCS schools, unless there's any of those you would like to touch on. Those first Let's... three that you hit on there, I, I, I actually think they're quite, they're sneaky good games there. Like UAB Ooh, Georgia, yeah. I think, could, could raise an eyebrow or two. Like, they're not going to provide an upset, but I think it's going to be a lot closer than what people expect. Same with Cold, uh, Colorado at Boulder against the Texas A&M. It's not team, Boulder, it's... it's in Denver. It's in oh, Denver, not so it's a, a, a neutral cider, sort of. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, that, that makes that. Yeah, I agree. And you've got Haynes King in his kind of first mm. game on the road against the Colorado team that we, it's not going to be terrible. Mm. Um, so, imagine, yeah. Imagine the Pac 12 going, oh. beating Colorado <laughs> beating AM, Washington Don't beating even. Michigan, and Don't Oregon even. beating Ohio, Ohio State. State. Oh. oh, mate. I would be, do you know what? I would be rock hard at that. That would make my I day. Think we okay. all would be. Let's head to the Big 12. Lots of FCS matchups this week. Uh, Texas Tech, Baylor, Kansas State, Oklahoma, and West Virginia all have FCS opponents on deck. Kansas head to Coastal Carolina, so they probably take a loss after storming the field, after beating someone South Dakota State or North no, not that someone good. Dakota. No, someone not good. Um, the only games here that are a little bit juicy, Cal at TCU. So Pac-12 again, got a chance to... Do something on the road. I'm expecting TCU big here. Cal was so disappointing in week one. 4.6 yards per attempt through the air for the Cal. Golden Bears is not good enough. That's not going to pay the bills. And uh, I'm expecting this TCU team to get an out-of-conference win against a Cal team that should be better. Lastly, Tulsa, who last week lost to UC Davis, head to Stillwater to take on Oklahoma State. Any thoughts on either of those two games? Uh... 
so the TCU one, I think also they should win that comfortably. The fact that it's at home, it's a long road trip for Cow. They didn't look good. Uh, question marks there. So TCU should be full of confidence heading into that. Uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma State certainly has a lot of shine wiped off that one from their week one performances. So both of those programs going backwards. One got a win, but far from convincing and, and you know losing votes in the, um, the AP <laughs> Uh, getters so oh look you're hoping to see some a bit more from both of those programs uh but overall pretty disappointing weekend being put out from big 12 all right as we cruise across to the pack 12 we've spoken about three of the four out of conference games already that are against power five teams the only one we haven't spoken about and of those three that we've previously spoken about, which is Oregon, Ohio State, Texas A&M, Colorado, Cal TCU. They probably lose all three. The last one is Washington at Michigan. This one's all yours. Go, Will. Oh, look, this is a big road trip again. How do they get the rough end of the deal on all like, these No one trips? ever seems to be going to like... Husky Stadium. No, well, like, like or or the mean? Rose Bowl. Oh, no, LSU <laughs> yeah. go to the Rose Bowl. And then they fucking lost. Like, that's yeah, the key. Yeah. Have them come all the way over to your side of the country and <laughs> yeah, you want to yeah. fucking win some of them. Are they paying them? Is this a pay for play? Like, is that I, what's I, happening I, with the Pac-12? I'm thinking it's a home and home, but I don't know when they're coming to, like, cash in on that <laughs> other half of it, if they've just yeah, yeah, forward-loaded yeah. it or what the deal is. But, look, it, it's a tough, tough one for Washington here. This is my Husky team that I am ready to jump off of. Uh, I... I'm not going to <laughs> ready, mate. You got why? If you're if you're not off yet, why would you now jump off? Because you like, wouldn't let. Because you wouldn't let me. <laughs> it's, the, it's the only thing. It's this safety harness that I've got hooked up back here that's preventing me from getting uh, off. Yes. Now nah, look, the, I, I I think this could be a fascinating matchup because I still believe in Washington's defense. I think the issue, the fatal flaw that we saw in their week one match was the inability to score and move the football and be anything on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, if they can generate some life there, they can certainly make a, a make a game out of this with a Michigan team who I still need to see something from. So Washington's defense is in that top tier. Don't be fooled. And with that being the case, they're always it leans well into these matchups where they're an underdog. So I I think that this one will be close. I think the fact that it's a massive road trip and it, and it's a tough place to play and this is going to be a jacked up Michigan crowd certainly doesn't bode well for them. But uh, yeah, I think it'll be closer than some might expect. Ooh, okay. I mean, the point spread's not that big in this either. I mean. Vegas isn't putting a lot of faith in the Wolverines either. So this could be like two... Oh, I need to be careful of my analogy here, probably. Uh, let's maybe skip over that one. Uh, I was going to go something a little bit Olympic-themed. <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, let's Yeah, okay. Utah at BYU in the Holy War. I think... Have they changed the name on that? Or is that still the Holy War? Uh, the Beehive State Rivalry. Nah, just the Holy War's good. Uh, I'm looking for Utah to do this at a canter. BYU have lost way too much. I think Utah are a pretty good team, so I'm taking Utah comfortably in this one. Agreed. USC hosts Stanford. Arizona State hosts UNLV. Oregon State hosts Hawaii. And Arizona get San Diego State. Any thoughts on any of those 
Pac-12 games, apart from the fact they probably need to win them all? <laughs> I, I think they do. I think, I mean, obviously you've got some in, uh, in-conference ones, yeah, but I think USC needs to win that and they will win that comfortably. I feel really good about that. The big one for me is Arizona. I, th- I think the San Diego State team is not that great this year. And Arizona, mm. whilst they weren't, good last week against BYU they covered exactly right and and they've I think they've turned a bit of a corner and I expect them to win this one at home so I, I think that'll be a good result for them and an important step for them to to start building this program back up all right in the ACC uh pull me up on any of these and and have a crack at any of them but Illinois goes to Virginia Pitt to Tennessee we've mentioned NC State to Mississippi State we've mentioned so Miami gets a visit from App State. Syracuse hosts Rutgers. BC go to UMass. UNC hosts Georgia State. Duke are going to give the ball to Matteo Durant. I feel sorry for him because he tries really hard and he's going to get a lot of yards on a really, really bad team. Um, Florida State, Louisville, Clemson, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech all have FCS opponents. I think it's your Miami uh, App State game that's the interesting one there. Uh, Miami obviously coming off of a massive disappointment week one that they would have been really dialed into. All the prep would have been for that. They weren't dialed in. We've been over this. They were not dialed in. I mean, we saw that. But in terms of like headspace and everything through the season, that's where they're at. Where the App State program would have had an eye forward to this game. This is a massive scout for them. So... I see this as a really dangerous spot for a Miami team that obviously has more talent on the field, but Mm -hmm. App State are a very, very good football program, and I expect them to really be around the mark in this one. I don't. Chase Bryce is not a good quarterback. In fact, I think last time he played Miami, he just like gave them the ball embarrassingly multiple times like yeah here you go your turn now um app state want to run that stretch zone scheme and and the last time we played app state it was 35 to 10 on the road and app state yes they'll be geared up yes they'll be ready to go and i think the media is buying into this one but i might have something a little bit juicy for you um coming later in the show on that particular game in the big 10 really no interesting games left in the big 10 we've already touched michigan not touched um, but, you know, touched Michigan, Washington. Uh, I don't trust Mich- uh, Michigan. I don't trust Michigan, uh, as kind of we've already discussed. Uh, Cade McNamara and the Wolverines to cover in that one. Anything else in the Big Ten that you'd like to discuss if you have looked at any of those games? That is a pretty embarrassing slate, though. Uh, I think anything else that I want to cover there, I'll probably hit in one of our later segments here, mate. Okay. Uh Anything in the group of five that is of note? Because we're a group of five podcast. So Absolutely. Uh, I think with, with that being the case, we obviously need to uh, point out the Liberty-Troy game. So that's a, a later one, so an, a reasonable time for us. Liberty, if you have not seen, very good last year. I think they only dropped the one game. But they have a guy by the name of Malik Willis playing the quarterback yes. position. And he is yes. kind of like a Lamar Jackson light. And, and I say that, but you need to watch this dude. He is electric. He is really good fun to watch. And this Troy program is a very good football team too. So he's not going to have it his all his own way. Liberty are on the road here. They're expected to win, but it's going to be a tough matchup. So to see these sorts of electric playmakers in these situations is always good fun. Uh, so if you get an opportunity, I, I certainly recommend dialing into that for a little bit. 
All right, let's push on. So that is all your week two previews. We have hammered through them. Obviously, the slate not quite as explosive as it was in week one, but still plenty of juicy matchups. This is one of the classic ones. Watch Iowa, Iowa State at six o'clock. That's not too hard. Keep an eye on all those SEC matchups and then find something that is tight at the end, whether it's BYU-Utah, whether it is Miami-App State, whether it's NC State-Mississippi State, Michigan, Washington could be a surprise. So whatever it is, dial into that towards the end and, and be free and easy because probably the team you cover or that you like and follow, you're passionate about, has probably got an FCS team this week. So watch the first half of that, watch them trash a team and then move your second screen onto something else. Also, right. don't assume that your team will beat an <laughs> FCS team either because that shit can get tight on you. <laughs> I mean, keep them on the screen still, but just, you know... Don't fully concentrate. Okay, Vault Studios make their picks. Yeah, that's my new sound for that. It's alarmy, <laughs> and Will doesn't like it, but it's, it's better than his segments. So let's hear it again. I, I'm, not doing it, an, I'm not doing another poll because I don't think this one will end well for you either, mate. Because it, it's a vault? Because a vault. There's like a vault. I think they get it. Like, I think yeah, I okay. get it. It's just... Hmm. Okay, let's do this. Okay. All right. Uh, so this is the sure thing. This is the one particular game that you are certain is going to win. I think I might change mine as well, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Real like, I'm sure. Not, yeah, so I'm not real sure at this point, but I'm, I'm going to go with it. Uh, let's start at the back. Corey's gone TCU at minus 10 and a half against Cow. Uh, Richie taking Washington at plus only six and a half against Michigan on the road. Uh, JA, Oregon at plus 14 and a half. I do not like that, JA. I would not touch that one. <laughs> Don't vet the good games. Will is at USC minus 17 against Stanford. Uh, so looking for USC to put a hurting on them. Yeah, maybe. And I'm taking Miami minus seven. I saw it at minus seven. It's blown out now to minus eight. So I don't know if it's supposed to be opening line or what it is at it was, kickoff. It was nine maybe when I checked it today. I thought nine. You were being, yeah, I thought you were being quite yeah, generous see it, to yourself at seven. It, it opened at seven. So I'm prepared to make some changes on that. Um, but yeah, uh, at this stage, it has only been me, Will, and JA, which is kind of funny if you know the context of that one, um, that got their picks right in week one. Yes. So, I'm so, so we are shooting at, we're shooting at 50% here, uh, and I, I've had a bit of a pep talk with the boys, uh, tried to get them up because that's not what, what you, the listeners, want. When we say sure thing, we want to be delivering on a sure thing. So mm -hmm. we'll look to turn that around. Both you and I, the resident experts that we are, obviously nailed our picks. I'm going back to the well on just Stanford are terrible, and I might just pick whoever's playing Stanford each week, and I think I'll come out pretty good. What um, should we get here, by the way? What's a good, like, like 70%? Should we 70% be 70% would be really good. 70% would be really good, I think. So Yeah, okay. Just before we, we jump into the next segment, which is the people segment everyone loves and everyone's up and about. I, not, uh, I'm leaving that to the fucking last. But well, yeah. at least you know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> because I had a bit of success on the punt last week, you know, oh, how, you know how I sit with money kind of in my pocket. It, it, it doesn't. It, it just goes. Yeah, it burns okay. a hole. So 
in light of that, what I've decided is I'm going oh, to kind God, of have, a, have a bit of... I've not heard any of this as well, so this is going rogue here. Bit of a challenge here, right? So uh-huh. this year I'm running my, my Super Yankee bets mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. of what I'm picking here. And what I'm suggesting is I will take the five picks of the sure things as well and do the same thing. And, I, and I'll, 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 I'll put those on. So I'm essentially putting du- double the bets on here. And then... We will see is the collective betting strategy a better one than the subject matter expert single yes. himself. And, and yes, we'll it is. To... Yes, it 100% is. <laughs> I'm off to a good start. I am streets out ahead. So we're going to call the 50% a push if we just say that's kind of even money for yeah, the um, yeah. okay. Is for it week though? One. Like, would it be? I guess it, it, it might be. be it might be just it, under. It, yeah, it might be a bit under. Um, yeah. So, so you would have perhaps lost a little bit. I, I've gone up in in mine, so that's good. Obviously, without Lewis's pick in just yet, we might have to take mine, which is fine. Um, yeah. And and then for the other weeks, if I can get the other five five in, then we'll take that and we'll we'll track that across the year to see if the collective group can pull together a better season than myself which now i don't i don't gamble um i don't but i like looking at lines and i like the idea of spending other people's money so i'm going to actually um give some more will goes on the punt i'm gonna go on the punt with no like financial commitment so i still give my picks which i'm pretty happy with um i went 50 percent last week so we'll get into more of that as we gamble further uh, but before we do let's get into championship draft time so ap poll will obviously for those people that are following along for the first time uh, we have already made three picks towards our championship draft and the idea here is that you purchase teams a little bit like fantasy style i suppose in that the teams down the bottom end of the ap poll are worth less than the teams up the top end. I currently have Alabama, Arizona State, and Utah, and you are currently sitting with... Oklahoma State, Coastal Carolina, and Oklahoma. So after the first week of football, you've taken a a slight lead here. So uh, we both made a little bit of profit uh, in that you had Arizona State, who jumped up a couple of spots, made you a couple of bucks there. Same with Utah, jumped up three spots. So that made you $5 profit. Alabama are still number one. And you'd be feeling pretty good about that too. Yeah, I am. I grabbed uh, Oklahoma, who were number two, and not feeling as great about that, to be honest. They uh, played it tight with a dangerous Tulane team and dropped me a couple of bucks in the process. So they've moved down a couple, but Coastal Carolina, bang, looking good. Uh, Jumped up five spots, making me $5 there. Unfortunately, Oklahoma State somehow went backwards playing an FCS program. Um, So thankfully I hadn't spent anything on them, but they are further away from the 25 than what they were, which is a little bit disappointing. Okay, uh, before we jump into the uh, championship draft element of it, is there anything about the AP poll that jumps out to you? Because I am fucking not happy with one aspect of it, and I will get into that in a second, but I'll let you have at it first. Clearly, a lot of changes in the top 10, though. Uh, a little bit, but you can kind of expect this sort of shifting around the place with the first game that's happening there, and, and I'm good with it. I don't, I don't think people should be tied to it based off of their first selection, and it should be fluid to begin with. If anything, it could be even more that, fluid. Yeah, okay, cool. Good argument. 
I, I, I don't understand what you're saying here. But. I fucking hate the AP polls. Anyway, uh, my big thing that I, I'm just going to ignore any other point that you have right now. What the fuck has Georgia done to warrant jumping Ohio State and possibly Oklahoma? They didn't fucking score an offensive touchdown. So like, if if Clem if this game goes to overtime, if Clemson managed to pick one off or score a touchdown on Georgia, and this goes to ten or goes to overtime. Are you telling me that Georgia's a heaps better team? Bullshit. That offense was just as mediocre as Clemson was. Don't get me wrong. Those two defenses are really, really good. But the difference between that game was one bad DJU pass. You cannot tell me that based on that, and don't go in here because you're all in on Georgia. Ohio State have done fucking heaps last week to prove that they're a far better team than Georgia. Just because you beat Clemson doesn't warrant you to jump over a team that actually put some points on the board. I hate that pick. I think that's gross. Disgusting, in fact. I think that they should be doing everything in their power to promote active scheduling of football games. I want to see more Georgia Clemsons. I want to see Ohio State, Texas A&M. I don't as an example. Ca- like I, I want to see that. And if I do if, if teams do schedule that, reward it. Move them up. I don't care how it plays out. If you if you do that and you win it, move them up. They deserve that. They've taken but we've a already massive, been over this they've taken years. a massive risk. And, and I think that already, needs to be supported. Yeah, but this if you is don't scheduled years ago. This isn't a risk, this is scheduled years ago. Like it, these programs knew that they were going to be good at this point. And yes, there's massive bullshit. gambling in it. This in would have been done like ten years ago. Forward. Maybe. Seven or eight years ago, this would have been scheduled. They would have no idea. You're projecting. You've got no idea what George is going to look like. Regardless of whether you've done it deliberately or not, I want to see more of these games. I want to see teams that play in them be rewarded for playing in good games. Just because you you beat up on shitty opponents doesn't impress me. I, I I don't care for that. I don't get anything out of that. I appreciate that, but tell me what Georgia has done to separate themselves to... We've seen how hard it is for teams to jump other teams in this AP poll or playoff poll. We've seen how hard it is to jump teams. And after putting up zero offensive touchdowns, zero. Zero points, JT Daniels, Heisman hopeful, best returning quarterback in college football. Zero touchdowns. You now jump Ohio State? Bullshit. That is crap. They are no good in terms of that particular outcome. I just think that, like, no. I'm, 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 it doesn't matter. Clemson, like you said, it's fluid. Clemson are not the third best team in the nation. And they didn't score on them. DJU threw one bad, well, not one bad ball, but I suppose like it's the worst a, ball. It's and got a beauty t- contest. It is a beauty. Games. What is it? How is it not a beauty contest? Because it's about is it's a it's beauty a sport. contest. No, it's winning football games. You just got to win, and especially when you're playing these top five games. I, don't, I we've uh, we've dragging on here, and I we can are see dragging on. And I see drag. nothing. I see nothing moving forward that proves to me that George is the second best team in the country. Bullshit, and certainly not enough to get four first place votes. Give me a fucking break. Hypothetical. Right, if if Miami had beaten Alabama. Obviously, that didn't happen. But if that had what, happened, what, so where, Miami's the number one team in the country. Then. Well, that's, that's what, what I'm. That, that's what I'm asking you. Where do you think? They no, they're not. To? No, they're fucking not. They're where not do you the think they would have jumped the to though? Top ten, but because they started from so well, where they start fourteen, they would have jumped. Uh, it's, I'm speculating here, but Into seventh, eighth. Into the top four. If they had no, they would, they, would they would not have. They wouldn't have. They wouldn't have. 
It would have had to have been mind-blowingly convincing in order to do that. In the same way that if Alabama this week lose to an FCS school, what, you're putting FCS school in the top 10? No, you're not. That's not happening. That team moves their way into the top 25. Yeah. They don't jump straight so, into but, the top but, four. Uh, but Georgia have come from five to two. They haven't come from... No, no, no this, that's not what this is about. This is about them jumping Ohio State. I don't rate that they've jumped Ohio State. I don't think who they've done enough to deserve game, to jump. The, who had a meh game against Minnesota? Like, I don't know why you're pumping but they them They eased up into this. the second half and no, then they blew them out of the water. They, they, blew, they blew them out of the water. What have Georgia, Georgia didn't they, they score? Won by two, they won by two scores. Ohio State blew them out of the water. They two scores is a lot in college football. Oh. Two scores, I mean, two scores, two scores. Bullshit on the road. Two scores. That was far from convincing. I, I would, I would tend to agree if they looked amazing. They didn't look amazing. And Georgia beat. They a didn't real look team. bad. They didn't look bad. No, they, they put up thirty-five points in the first half with a true yeah, freshman quarterback. A freshman quarterback on the road. Two. On the road, no. We're, bick we're bickering again. We Make are bickering, selection. and I am You're completely up. justified here that a team that doesn't score an offensive touchdown jumps a team that can actually move the ball in a forwards direction. Fucking give me a break. All right, let's get into the college football playoff. You said you were going to be nice to me tonight as well, and you—that's not accurate. You've been—you've you, been nasty. You, Agree you with make me. it hard. You make it really <laughs> fucking hard. <laughs> okay, um, who are you taking? Your pick first. I think who it's you your got? pick. I—I I, I was trying to do this in my head because. You went first, and then I went, and then you went. So it'd be my pick. Yep, cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's for listeners out there. That's a stupid person just playing out something in their head. That <laughs> wow. All right, I'm going to take uh, LSU for zero dollars. Oh, wow. uh, I'm going to go, go to Tigers. Uh, they. We're obviously disappointing. A lot of circumstances, a lot of excuses for them. I just think that they're going to be good. The next five weeks, I think I they're going to win. I, don't. I think they'll win their next five games. And on the back yeah. of that, that yeah, that'll maybe. get them ranked. Uh, and I think they, they have a bit of clout to them, so they'll get overranked, and then I'll be able to dump them out. Or I'll have a better indication as to what they are. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to take TCU. Uh, they're the next team up. They're only three votes behind. They play Cow this week. I think they win that one. And that's one of the few like Power 5 conference matchups this week. Uh, they win that one and they probably jump in and then I can unload them almost straight away because I don't think they're going to be that great. I mean, they'll be good enough. They're not going to finish in the top 25 though. All right, let's hit... Oh, oh Jesus, as I'm knocking over wine glasses here. I haven't been drinking, so don't worry about it. Um, let's head to our favorite segment... Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Money, 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 money. Definitely not our second favorite segment. This is definitely our favorite. So, uh, Will, take us through your Super Yankee for the week. I, I'm excited. A big part of me wants to just say thanks, everyone. I'm done. Finishing the year on a high. We've made some money this year and let's... But you know, you know that's not me. You know that's not my style. No. And, and you've already you've already doubled down here, and you're betting on all of us. Well, I I, I have confidence in you guys. Uh, I, okay. It, it's not strong confidence after the week one performance, but it is confidence. So mm -hmm. my picks this week are a separate five to this one. Uh, similar format, obviously, for those playing at home. Super Yankee, five games. There's kind of 29 combinations in all of that. Last week, we had a fantastic week, uh, plus 245 units or something like that. 
Um, so we are starting with South Carolina at ECU. We're taking South Carolina. We're taking Seb Nolan uh, to win uh, straight up. Dollar eighty four odds. We're getting there. I, I think that they can do it. I think they're a better program than ECU. Uh, obviously, on the road is going to be tough. Bit of a rivalry, I'm assuming, of Carolina sorts. The South and the the East. I don't know. Uh, but South Carolina, bang. Okay. Next one, Ball State. Plus 22 and a half at Penn State. Ball State are not a bad football team. They have a Don't lot of experience. That. I think that's good. Yeah. Penn State at home. Yes, good, solid defense. But like 22 and a half is a lot of points. I think Ball State keep it closer than that. So I'm taking them here. Uh, Mississippi State outright versus NC State. So it's it's the home factor here. I got $2.07 to take them at home in this one. I'm going to grab that. Uh, I'm taking Arizona outright at home against San Diego. So that's a pick'em. Uh, and, and I like the fact that it's at home. I don't think San Diego are going to be as good as they have been years gone past. So I like Arizona in this one. And my last one's my real underdog here. Uh, we're getting some good odds at $3.35. I'm taking Vanderbilt on the road. So after they lost to an FCS program. Badly. They scored three points. They struggled. On the road... At Colorado State. So they're going to Colorado State getting $3.35 for them to win there. I think they can turn around. Uh, not the start that they would have been after, but they do have some talent on that field. This is an SEC program, not a great SEC program, but an SEC program. And I'm backing them in to provide the upset for me to really make this one pop. And those are my five selections this week. Okay. I've got some other ones for you. I... Uh don't like i said i don't actually put my money where my mouth is but i went 50 percent last week against the spread which isn't great i would have liked to have done better but i'm looking this week for offenses to go better so i'm looking at the over unders um and that's where i started so i'm looking at missouri and kentucky 54 and a half points i'm taking the over there iowa iowa state no the over-under's at 45, but I'm going to go with it, and I'm taking the over with that as well. Utah, and again, I don't know where you're getting your odds. This is where these lines opened at, so I had these earlier in the week, so they probably have shifted or definitely will have. Utah was at minus six against BYU. I am taking those points all day. They are going to better than a touchdown winner there. Miami, I know this one's blown out to nine points at this stage, so... Um, it opened at minus seven. If you snapped it up there, take that all day against App State. Miami are better against less talented opponents. Um, and that's, this is what they do. They're going to beat less talented opponents than them. I also think about taking the over here at 53 and a half. But because I've said I would think about it means that if I hit it, I'm likely to say that it, I did it. But if I miss, then... Um, so I would look at um, Miami at minus seven and then taking the over at 53.5. Uh, the last couple, Temple, minus six and a half against Akron. Now, both of those teams are really shit, but Akron's heaps shitter than Temple. If, if Bo Nix can put up those kind of numbers against Akron, that means Temple's going to win by more than a touchdown. And lastly... Don't know how I feel about this one, so I'm, I would steer away from this potentially now the more I think about it, but I'm taking Toledo 
20 and a half points against Notre Dame. Now, Notre Dame, short week, emotional win. Uh, I think Toledo are okay. And if they tidy up the penalties, and they had 12 of them last week, they should be okay or good enough to keep it within three touchdowns of Notre Dame. So that would be my six or seven picks, depending if you take the Miami App State over. You've thrown a lot out there, mate. I have. You're starting I have. to have a good look at this this gambling side of things. So I, I know. Think you might have you hooked a little bit. I know. I, I don't know if I'm actually going to ever put my money where my mouth is, but I might do what you do and run like a system, like just dry run after dry run until I feel good about it, and then I'll get other people to invest in it. And yeah, then it, interesting that your um your analysis obviously earlier in the week a lot of those numbers have shifted quite drastically. So Toledo, for example, into sixteen and a half. So that's a yeah, four, see, I four point swing. So obviously, I'm going with yeah, and obviously the the public are going with me. If you get on them early, I think that's the key. If you're spending less then you want to get on these numbers early before the Sharps bloody take care of them and, and duck those numbers in. Um, so, yeah, obviously at 16.5, I don't like it <laughs> if it comes in that much. If you could have got it that early, I probably need to like update my spreadsheets, but get on it early. That's the key. Get on these numbers early. If you see something you like, get after it. All right. Now, the absolute disaster of a segment that is... Fuck me. I can't believe we're doing this. I was going to like, I was going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to eat my words here. Let's push on, move on. Um, I'll just say, yeah, the public vote said stick with it. It's another gambling segment effectively um, and whatever. But you know, fuck this. This is shit. It's still shit. I don't care what you people say. This is just more of the same crap. So let's have at it, Will. Yeah, someone's a little bit salty. That, uh, that Georgia the, jumped Ohio State, correct, <laughs> yes. The poll came out. So I did put the question out to uh, our friends on Instagram here around whether the, they thought that this was good gear and that I was onto something here or if it was garbage and, and perhaps Aaron was right. And overwhelmingly it came in for the fact that this is a good segment. So to round out this episode, because we have been dragging a little bit here, I think I've picked my upset of the week. Well, there's 20 of them, from. apparently. There's 20 of them. There's 20 of them out there, which is what you said. Easy, so easy you should be do. able to give me probably 10. You should probably give me 10 that are going to happen. I'm just, got- I'm just repeating what you said to me, which was 20 games that are two touchdown favorites would easy. upset. This is easy. <laughs> easy. It's easy. So I am going to the Rio Grande rivalry. Uh, Are you familiar with the Rio Grande rivalry? uh, I am not, but I can probably... You call yourself a college football fan. Well, this would be like like a New Mexico... I'd say Aggies versus Lobos. There we go. New Mexico, New Mexico State. You do know it, and that is sad. But the Rio Grande (laughs) game is played between... A couple of programs that do not get a lot of love and, and you know, they're, they're not really relevant uh, in a lot of spaces. But New Mexico State have historically been one of the, well, not historically, lately been one of the worst programs in college football. They go in as 16 and a half point underdogs on the road against New Mexico. So they've dropped their first two games. New Mexico have won theirs. Sorry, it's 18 and a half points. 18 and a half point underdog. I think New Mexico State provide a shock upset here on the road if you look through the history of this game it's always tight uh over, over the last five years uh all, 
four of them have been within one score. Uh, so I'm relying on this rivalry to really play up here and to New Mexico State to come up with a bit of a shock upset. Okay, I'm relying on Virginia Tech being in a bit of a hangover after playing UNC. So Middle Tennessee, the Blue Raiders, I don't think they're... I mean, they're going to score some points. Virginia Tech struggled to do that. Uh, they're 19-point road dogs. And if they can score, I don't know, it might only take 30 points, maybe 34, somewhere there to, to beat Virginia Tech or maybe even a fraction less than that. Uh, and I think after coming off the UNC win, which was, a, again, a big emotional win, um, it was a long time between games now, they might have a little bit of a hangover as they come home to Blacksburg, and I'm taking Middle Tennessee. There we go, buying into it. And that was like well thought out, structured. This is good. I can see a bit of a smile on your face. That brings us to the end of our week two preview. Geez, we've covered a lot of real estate here tonight. Um, and please make sure you do hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at CFB Down Under. I'm knackered after all that, and hopefully I don't have a kid tonight. But on behalf of that guy over there, please, oh, not please, thank you for joining us for this week two preview. My name's Aaron, that is Will, as I murder the outro, and we will see you next time. (laughs) 